You're listening to the Teach Better Talk podcast featuring expert educators eager to share progressive tactics to reach more students. Teach Better Talk is created by teachers and fueled by passion. Let's get started. Teach Better Talk podcast. My name is Ray Hewart, and as always, I am with my incredibly handsome, intelligent, and passionate co-host, Mr. Jeffrey Gargas. How are you, Jeffrey? Um, confused, worried, very suspicious. I I think all those are fair. I'm I'm sorry. Oh, where that intro emotion. came from? Um. <laughs> I, either you're reading that from someone else or you're setting me up for something. Either way, I don't trust you right now. Well, there's been a lot of instances over the past few weeks that I've been giving you things that I need done, like as if I was your boss and giving you a to-do list. And I know you're having a really tough night with recording because, you know, the whole Wi-Fi thing not being a thing. So uh, we're just going to go with really nice compliments for you today so I don't get in trouble right before you leave on vacation. I appreciate that. Yeah, it has been our, we, you know, we do a lot, if you're listening, you you might know that, you know, most Mondays we do three recordings, sometimes more. Um, and tonight it's just been tech issue after tech issue. I don't know why. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. <clears throat> and, you know, a lot of times when we have a tech issue, like usually I know how to fix it. Tonight I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like, we'll just keep like plugging, unplugging, signing off, getting back on, whatever. Anyway, we're here. I appreciate the kind words. They did make me smile, although I was suspicious, but it is what it is. Um, I want to get into this pod, this episode, but beforehand, I want to talk about, we've got some, you know, th- this is coming out on the, right at the end of, of June in July, we've got a few webinars going on, webinar series going on. And I was hoping maybe you could kind of share with the audience what we've got going on. We actually have one that technically is kicking off tomorrow on the 30th, right? And then one kicking off in the middle of July. So like, what's going on, Ray? Yeah, no, the Teach Better team is just constantly trying to provide professional development. And usually, you all know, we do it in person by partnering with districts. But more than ever, our audience has been advocating for um, training that's separate from school school district partnerships. And due to COVID, we are still running a lot of things virtually. And so we've been trying to see the positive in the silver lining of all of this. And so we are um, launching all these webinars. And we've had so much success in June that we've been trying to listen to our audience and we have some great ideas for July. So these may not be the only two that you should be participating in, but two that we're going to highlight in this episode is strictly just that if you were not a part of the original grid method webinar that happened in June, it was four weeks and eight sessions of live training, coaching, and feedback with our team. Uh, If you want to join and you chose not to in June, we're doing one in July. So you can actually register for that at teachbetter.com slash grid webinar. It's really, really easy. Everything is recorded. But what I do like about this is you can not only participate live every Tuesdays and Thursdays with office hours on Wednesdays, but you can also actually learn the grid method by participating as a student um, and like go throughout the process using a grid. So it's extremely immersive. We had so much amazing feedback in June, and I'm excited that we're doing it again in July. Four weeks, eight sessions, and everything in ha- is housed in the Teach Better Academy. So even if you can't necessarily make 
all the live trainings. You can still get all the discussion and teaching, which is super fun. You, you talk about that, like the, the immersion into the grid. What's really cool is like, if you can't make the live, it's perfectly fine because the, the great thing about the grid method is you can move at your own pace. You can move when you're able to, it's, it's, it's controlled by you. Like when you, when you learn and when you grow and because we have this recorded, you can still get that live interaction from the recording. You get the information, but you can move along your grid. It's really, really cool. I just, Sorry, I just had to jump in because like, I'm so excited about that because that's something we talked about for so long about, hey, why don't we train on the grid method using a grid? And that was one of those you talked about, like the silver lining, something that we pulled out of this is like we created that. We were able to create that now using a virtual uh, world through there. It's just really, really cool. So No, I, I really enjoy it. No, I'm, I'm really glad. And June was something that, like I said, we hadn't tried it this way before. And it was wonderful. I love that every single you know, Tuesday and Thursday, I was able to just have discussions and actually treat it like a classroom because I think it was really authentic. So very excited about July. Uh, additionally, because so many of you have been using the grid method mastery framework, we kind of had this conversation around, okay, you've created a content grid. That's, that's all good and dandy. I'm glad you feel confident, but how do you actually roll it out in August? So we're actually hosting a two week, four session introduction grid creation course webinar that will be really, really beneficial if you're looking to roll out this mastery framework or some sort of equivalent of a self-paced classroom, especially if you're going to be using any sort of virtual or blended learning setting. Uh, we're going to talk about how to roll out procedures for not only your students, but for stakeholders in uh, your classroom. So this will kind of be a time where you can create an introduction grid where your students can learn about the grid method, learn about your classrooms and share their voice through a grid that you can use just before you dive into content. So I'm really excited for that two week webinar as well. And you can register for that one over at teachbetter.com slash intro grid webinar. And that one is probably you know, in our in our private Facebook group, that's probably one of the most uh, requested things is this. Okay, great. I love the grid method. I, I'm, I've got I'm feeling pretty good about creating my grids. But how do I introduce this? How do I roll this out? So I'm really pumped for that, uh, that series there, because I think it's one of the most requested things that we haven't done before. And I think it now is. it's going to be put together. Well, yeah, and for the for the last two or three years, we've done like small parts of this training in our Facebook group, like you said, because our audience is advocating for it. And finally, we were like, okay, why don't we put this all together, one cohesive piece, teachers can build it as they go and have that collaborative element. And then again, have everything saved in the academy. So even if you can't join all four sessions, you can still get the coaching and the feedback that is really purposeful for our learners. So I can't wait. Let's do something fun, right? For either one of those trainings, if you would like, use the discount code podcast, take 25% off. Woo! I love it. Make sure, make sure I go create that code. Yeah, uh, <laughs> so for now, let's let's talk about this episode. So uh Ryan Fabahanda is the let's see, she's got a I'm gonna go right now. I'm only gonna say her position title because she went on to like what she does and she does so much. It's it's phenomenal. She's the she serves as the co-director of the Teaching and Learning Center and as the assistant dean of student life at the National Cathedral School in Washington D.C. Uh, she's also a member of her school's uh, admissions committee and has served as department chair. Uh, she is a 
proud product of the Columbus City Schools, an Ohio resident, a proud Buckeye fan, which we talk about as well, um, but a phenomenal educator. Uh, we couldn't believe at the end, and you're not going to believe it as you're listening, so I'm going to tell you now, this was her first podcast ever. You know, like we finished up, and she's like, "How do we? How do I do?" And we're like, uh, "Amazing!" Like this was so much value in this episode that we could not. I, I think we actually might have not believed her. I still don't know if it was her first episode, her first podcast ever. So ever, I, I really don't know. But um, so much uh, experience um, in this educator, and uh, I really love the reflection she has on just the experience she has and throughout her different roles in education and everything that she shares. I think you said at one point that not only Phil philosophical uh things that you can take away but also tangible things you can take away and put in place right away so super excited about this one ray anything to add let's do this i'm so excited for you guys to dive in and don't forget to connect with her via twitter or other outlets as well let's do it episode 185 with ryan fapahanda all right we are here and we are chatting with ryan fapahanda and and ryan I, we we just talked about it and now i've got i've got to ask you right off the bat did i say it right you did, yes. I you did. did. Got it right. Yeah. See? You don't need to lie to him. It's okay I, if you didn't get it right. Just making I you need, feel good about yourself. I, I need everyone to know that I, I said it I said every time I check, I then always say it wrong. We got in this really this conversation about names and just the you know, trying to, to, to learn it and be better and respectful and stuff. And you shared something really, really cool that your school does. And I wanted to get right into it. Um and share that because I think it's really valuable and I think if you're listening, this is something you could take and so either put in place in your school or suggest to your school, put in place in your classroom. So, Ryan, can you share what you have done now? And, and actually, I don't know if you said when you put that in place. It was just recently or if it's been there for a while, but what your school does when it comes to students' names. Yeah, I wish I could take credit. It really um, came about by our director of diversity and equity, and she has started um, something where when we take pictures at the start of the school year, we have students introduce themselves. So we ask them to say their first name, their last name, and what they like to be called. And I think part of this is we don't want to get to these seminal moments like graduation or moments that are really important and be mispronouncing students' names. And so we want to be referring to students as they like to be referred to and also making sure that we're pronouncing their names correctly. So once students you know, record that at the start of the year, it's um, in our online system. So when you go to click on a student's profile, you can access that information. So then in theory, as a, as a teacher, before my first day of class, I can go and listen to every one of my students say their name and I can have a better, uh, I'm, I'm ready to not only pronounce their name correctly so that I don't you know offend anyone, but also uh, know what they want to be called and know the name that they, they want to be you know referred to by. I think that's, that's just really, really cool. I think it's just another step of, of connecting with our students from day one and making sure they know that we put, you know, that we care about them and that we put that time in. I think that's really, really cool that you guys are doing that. So, well, Ryan, I know we kind of jumped all the way in, but I'm going to take a few steps back because our listeners, while I'm confident are already enthralled in everything that you're going to share, uh, don't know anything about you if they're not connected to you. So I want to make sure we take a step back and uh, have you kind of tell us a little bit about yourself and how you answer that age-old question of what you do. 
Yeah. Um, so I work at an all-girls school in Washington, D.C. called National Cathedral School. Um, and I currently serve as the co-director of the Teaching and Learning Center and assistant dean of student life. And so what that means kind of within my school community is that um, my co-director of teaching and learning position, I oversee student support services and initiatives for students in our high school program. Um, and that can be anything around like academic skill support. Um, also part of that job is supporting teachers and professional development. Um, and so there's kind of a range of things that we do within the department. We also support students with learning differences. Um, and then through my dean work, um, I work to enhance the student life experience for students at school. So really trying to ensure that school is as fun as possible, that um, they're engaged in community activities, that we're creating leadership opportunities. Um, and so it's, it's a really good balance. And I really enjoy both of those jobs together. Wow. So essentially, right, she doesn't have anything to do all day is what it's pretty like. much. Wow. I just sit around <laughs> hanging out. <laughs> you got a lot going on there. Well, all she right, practices how to say her last name. That just oh, get out of here. We're past this. Come on now. That uh, Wow, you got a lot going on. That's great. I actually did not realize it was an all-girls school. Um, yeah. Uh, have you have, have you spent your whole career there? Have you been in different? Uh, have you gone from co-ed schools to then the all girls? Have you always been in, in an all girl school? Like what's you, sort of your I've pathway kind of to get there? Been, like all over the place. So like after undergrad, I was in Chicago working at a charter school. Um, I moved back to Ohio. I worked at another charter school. Um, I've worked at suburban public schools. I've worked at another private independent school um, that was progressive and co-ed and um, now at National Cathedral School. So this is my first school that is single sex. So my first all girls school, um, my second private or independent school. But before that, um, regular public schools, charter schools, I worked at a community college. So I kind of have, <laughs> I jumped around quite a bit. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, you said back to Ohio. Are you originally from Ohio? Yeah, born and raised in Columbus. Oh, um, I'm in, I'm up in Akron. Yeah, I love Columbus. Like diehard oh, yes. Buckeye fan. Oh, like look at that. anything about Ohio, it's all me. OSU, did you go to OSU or did you go out of state? D no, I actually went to the University of Dayton, so like forty-five oh, yeah. minutes away from yeah. Columbus. Yeah. Oh yeah, we. Ohio. I love Dayton. I like got family down. That's a beautiful school. Yeah, and we had exceptional basketball year this year too. So. Yeah. Ryan, I just want to confirm. Like, I think it's so cute that you have an Ohio connection with oh, Jeff. But, but I grew up in the Chicagoland area. I think you should be Team Ray all the way, even though you have a connection with Jeff with Ohio. Like, don't let that sway you. Listen, We're still only five minutes into the episode. Ray, Ray, just hold on for a second. Ryan, OH. I O. Ray, you can't do that. Therefore, hashtag Team Jeff. It's over. Just get, move on. Move on. It's it's done. I didn't, that wasn't practice. I didn't have to do anything. I didn't text her. It's just an, it's just an Ohio thing that you don't, you don't get. All right, I'm just Illinois. saying, I'm just saying that you guys have been up for hours practicing that little chant, just like you were practicing how to say her name. Oh and man. Ryan and I are BFFs. We actually, we're, we text, you know, we're like, we're like this. I'm crossing my fingers. We're like this. Okay. Just saying. Oh man. Uh, Ryan, you wouldn't be having to look to like get into podcasting or anything, would you? Looking for. <laughs> uh, 
Anyway, so all right, so I love that that I asked the question to follow up, for, and you took us through everything that all the different uh, schools you've been at and different experiences. Because uh, now that I'm really excited for this question about failure and the challenge, because you've had so many different roles and, and, and spots that you've been in. Um, so, can you take us and kind of share a story with us about a time you've had a, a failure or a challenge that you've had to overcome? Share with us what happened. How did you overcome that? And then, what did you take away from that experience? Yeah, I guess I I'm I don't have one particular um, incident in mind as much as I do just kind of this broad idea. Um, I remember my grandma used to say I was the jack of all trades and master of none. Um, And I think, you know, like she, she said that, and I think I still kind of approach things that way in the sense that um, my first um, inclination in a lot of situations is to just try to do everything. So if somebody presents me with a problem and says, Hey, we're having this dance, we really want to, um, expand it and invite more students from other schools. But Hey, I also have this question about the teaching and learning center and how can we, um, embed more study skills in our curriculum. And people, I think often come at you with a lot of different questions. And I think, Um, I'm often moved to just jump in and answer or problem solve all of them. And I think that can be problematic in the sense that if you don't stop and kind of take a step back and and have like a, a macro view and think about and prioritize like what issues are of the greatest priority, do I have the bandwidth to take on all these things? Should I be leading the solution to all of these things? And kind of like what questions should I be asking as I determine the answers to some of these questions? And I think moments in which I've experienced failure, I think I tried to do too many things at once. And so I found myself saying yes to everything. Like, yes, I'll take on this program. Yes, I'll answer um, and find a solution to this problem. And I think when you're doing a lot of things, again, you're spreading yourself thin, but I also think you prevent yourself from being able to go deeper um, with solutions. Um, And so I think that's one thing that I would say is I've seen different places in my career where I wish that I would have just taken a step back and really prioritized and really thought through what makes the most sense for me to be doing at this time. Uh, totally get that great advice because it is you know when you're passionate about about what you do and you want to learn more you want to do things it it is it's it's it can be really easy to just always try and take it on yourself and always try to run with it because you want to be part of it you want to help you want to take it on but that i love that you said you know that macro view a step back and saying but wait a minute is can i possibly do all of this or what what do i need to prioritize because otherwise nothing's going to get fully done or nothing's going to be done to the best of my ability. Uh, and I think that's a, a really important, that's something that I struggle with still every day. Ray will tell you. Um, so I love that. Um, let's, uh, let's flip it now. Let's talk about a successful moment. This could be something big or something small, but tell us what happened. Why was it a success for you? And then what'd you take away from that experience? Right. Yeah. I mean, I think when I think about like professional development and there, I think anywhere that you work, they constantly want you to be like evaluating yourself and creating goals um, and attending conferences and doing these things. And I think sometimes you go to a great conference and it's great. And then you come back and you're like, um, but how do I apply what I learned? And so I think one of the times where I really demonstrated success um, was last summer, I went to a training, the um, Garner Carney Leadership Institute in Colorado. And it was, I think, about a week long. Um, and it was really geared around how to help students 
um, expand and grow as, as student leaders. And so um, I had been running a program at my school, a peer mentor program, and I had been really thinking about what things should I as the adult leading this group be doing versus what things should or do students have the capacity to take on? And so um, there are certain things like, you know, budget or dealing with money that, you know, as an adult, I absolutely should be in a role of handling those things. But I was thinking about, you know, what decisions in terms of how students are evaluated, is that a decision I should be making? Is that um, a decision that students should be involved in the decision-making process of? So I, I kind of went to this program with the lens of how do I, uh, what can I learn and bring back to this organization and this student group? And so I went, it was a great, phenomenal conference. I learned so much, I gained so much, I added so much to my toolbox. And so what I came back and implemented was expanding the training that I had for these student leaders. So just to back up for a second, the peer mentor program is a program where we have juniors and seniors mentoring ninth and 10th graders in academic skills. So study skills, time management, organization, just kind of this overarching how when you're entering our upper school or high school program, what skills do you need to be successful? And I think it's really important um, that the program be student driven because as much as I know these these things and these strategies, the students are the ones that um, have gone through the courses and really know the curriculum uh, firsthand. And so I came back and really expanded the training that we had for students. So I kind of formalized um, the curriculum to include more relationship building. So helping students think about um, if I'm going to support a student, I probably need to get to know that student. And this relationship may not be organic in the same way that it is if I'm on a lacrosse team with a student. Um, so uh, we formalized, I formalized the curriculum um, around relationship building. I had someone come in and teach them very explicitly different academic skills. Um, and then we talked and did some training about how you give feedback. So in partnering with the ninth or 10th grader that they're paired with, there are various times when the juniors or seniors would need to give feedback. And so we kind of talk through different models and frameworks about how you can give feedback and when is an appropriate time and what sort of language can you use. So the program training previously was very brief. It was like a two or three hour training. And then I expanded the training to be two days. Um, and I felt that by the end of the training, students were really starting their leadership as peer mentors with um, some really um, foundational skills and knowledge, and they had tools in their toolkit. And I think uh, what was successful about that, again, is kind of always engaging in professional development and some it's great and you kind of internalize it and you hold it and you don't do anything with it immediately, but it felt so good to be able to immediately implement my learnings from this conference um, in a way that I could then share with colleagues um, that I could reflect on even with students and say like, hey, last year we weren't doing any of this. Like it was three hours, we covered this, we zoomed through it, we kind of covered protocols, but now we're really getting into like the nitty gritty of the program. Um, and it felt really good to feel like I was setting students up for success um, in a program that I led. Oh yeah, I love your approach and your mindset with that, Ryan. That's so cool. You know, with everything going on in your world that you've been able to facilitate and get student input on, 
what's really keeping you excited about the work that you're doing right now and all and everything that you're involved in? Yeah, I mean, I think there have been a lot of really interesting changes um, that have come about this year with the move to remote learning that have me really excited. So I think so much around kind of innovation and creativity and flexibility that I'm seeing come out of um, various schools. Like it just seems like there's like this national trend for us to like really be moved to innovation and kind of disrupt some of kind of the educational um, systems that were in place that kind of prevented us from either like meeting students needs or like supporting all students in really cool and interesting ways. Um, How we assess students, how we are giving students feedback, um, really focusing on like depth and like skill development over like content um, are a lot of the things that I've seen come out just from kind of attending webinars and following people on Twitter and reading articles on remote learning. It just seems like there's this really um, big national shift to really put students at the center, which we should be doing. And many of us are, but I think even now we're being pushed in different ways. Um, And I think too, to like prioritize students like mental health. Um, So I just think this disruption of COVID, yes, it, is, you know, awful. And, you know, there's um, so much that has disrupted our schools and communities and students um, have been um, impacted by not being able to have prom and graduation and events that are really important to them. But I also think that um, this disruption has really brought about some positive things in education that I'm looking forward to seeing how they continue to grow or manifest like in the fall. Um, I think it's something that I'm interested to see. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And there's been so much conversation recently, at least in my little bubble about how we can facilitate that reflection. I love that you're focusing on that. If you had one piece of advice for an educator, and you know, sometimes we say a new educator, but at this point, it's really for any educator, right? Whether we're heading back in August or we're going to be in a virtual setting or some sort of blended, what piece of advice do you think educators need to hear to come back stronger than ever, you know, uh, after this pandemic? Yeah, I think very much not to reinvent the wheel. So like, don't feel the need to like create something new. I think new teachers and even seasoned educators really should seek out like models and blueprints from established educators and schools and programs and adapt them to fit their classroom, their school, their community. Um, Because I think one thing also that I'm seeing come out of this that has been really great is like just collaboration. So like there's no longer, I feel like this need for like one school to like be more competitive or set themselves apart from another. It's like, okay, we're all in this together. I'm doing this really cool thing at my school. Here's this organizational tool, take it. Or, hey, I found this book or program or system that works, let's share it. And so I think 
the more that teachers can can reach out to other educators and say, hey, I'm really looking for a system for X, Y, and Z, or hey, I'm really looking for um, a way that I can digitize X, Y, and Z, or how I can assess using you know, this tool, can someone help me, and just kind of use things that are already existing, um, and then kind of go from there and, and personalize it. Hmm. Great advice. Uh, I think that's, that's important for, 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 I, like what you said, like any teacher to hear right now, especially going in and we're trying to figure out what's going to look like, what do I need to do, but finding something that's, that's established that works and finding it to fit your, you know, like you said, your community, your classroom, your style, I think is, is really important. Um, loving this, uh, tons of value in this episode already so now i'm looking we're, we're gonna have a little bit of fun not that we haven't had fun already but we're gonna have like <laughs> more like, fun, we're, more we're, fun. We're, actually, we're allowed to have specific fun right now is what i'm saying i don't know uh at this point i think we're having enough fun but we're gonna have more fun here these next six questions we're gonna go through your goal is to answer each one in 15 seconds or oh, less. okay yeah all right question one what is one ed tech tool you cannot live without uh, MOOCs, massive open online courses uh, give us a book you're reading right now. Yeah. How Schools Work by Arnie Duncan. And who do you follow on Twitter or Instagram or social media today? Yeah. Um, Glenn Whitman from the Center for Transformational Teaching at St. Andrews. Um, and then Nicole Furlong um, from Klingenstein Program at Columbia um, are two people that I'm following right now. What's a good YouTube channel or website for educators? That is a, a good question. I, I don't know that I have one in particular. I kind of just randomly search things on YouTube and um, think about how I can adapt them to like my work. So like I'll just search somebody that I think is like really interesting and cool, whether they're an educator or not, and then think about how I can apply it. Ooh, I like that. That's a good answer. Uh, give us a daily, weekly, or monthly routine every teacher should get into. Yeah, I think daily, um, thinking about something kind that you can do for someone else. So like reflecting on like, what is something I can do today to make a difference in the life of my student, um, or faculty, or just someone that you interact with daily. Um, I think weekly thinking about how you can engage with professional learning. So, you know, reading an article, watching a video, listening to a podcast episode, but something that you do that extends your kind of professional thinking. Um, and then maybe monthly, I would say connecting with other educators, whether it's formally or like in an informal capacity to just you know, stay abreast to trends in education and, and know what you should be thinking about, what relates to your professional work, um, or what other folks are doing in their learning communities. And what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Uh, when you know better, you do better. Ugh, my favorite. Love it. I love that one, Ryan. So on the head. When you know better, you do better. So important. It's funny though. I keep telling Ray how to be better, and she's not listening. <laughs> oh, she's not doing stop it! it. Didn't they get enough? You know, Jeff and Ray this episode. Like, let's be honest. We know That's Ryan true. is Team Ray, That's and it's true. no big deal. You don't have to be so jealous. <laughs> Ryan, I do want to make sure that everybody gets connected with you. I'm hoping this is only the beginning of the many, many, many conversations that educators around the country are going to have 
with the work that you're doing, would you mind sharing with them how people can stay connected? Yeah, I'm I'm on Twitter. Um, my name Ryan Fapahunda. Um, I think it's Fapahunda Ryan actually is like my Twitter handle. Um, I'm on Facebook um, and I have email. Um, so yeah, people can can reach me any of those ways. And you know you can find all the links and resources and everything we talked about in this episode over at teachbetter.com, as well as those really important links for connecting with Ryan and keep the conversation going. So make sure you head over and check out the show notes over there at teachbetter.com. Uh, be sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. And if you can give us a rating and a review, we'd really appreciate that as well. Let's keep taking this one step further. Think of just three of your colleagues who need to hear these amazing stories and connect with these amazing educators and just share this podcast with them. Ryan, this was a awesome episode. I'm super excited uh, that you were able to come on with us. I'm really pumped for everyone to, to listen to this and hopefully connect with you and, and continue to learn from you. Uh, but really appreciate you taking some time to chat with us, have some fun with us. Uh, we just really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. And until next time, let's get out there and let's teach better. <laughs>